Welcome to the Axe Church UK Weekly Podcast. We hope you will be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Today's message is titled, if you're taking out notes, Good Defense. Good Defense. And this is something that I have been kind of like prepping to preach uh, since this year we're making like a study on the word good and the different aspects of how God is good and how we can access that goodness. Uh, I've been thinking using good as a launching pad for messages. And so I've been thinking, oh, how? And, and that's how we came with the title of Good Match for next Sunday. And it's going to be very exciting because it again won't just be myself or Pastor Cat, but it will be hearing from the other married couples in church as well. And uh, there's definitely something, like Rora said, for single people, for attached people, for people who are looking. There's something for everyone. And uh, with the help of technology, we will also be you know, making it possible for you to text in your questions during service. So next week's service, you know, come, bring your friends, and then text in your questions, and uh, with the time that we have, we will try to answer as many questions as possible, and, and if for some reason we can't answer questions, we'll still find a way to get them answered online. Uh, so don't worry. So th- that's something fun next week. Uh, so, a- a- and so whoever, I'm looking at Toby, whoever's doing XTV, yeah, anyway, so Toby just be on standby to help out as well. Uh, but it's going to be good, it's going to be good. Uh, but as I was prepping on all these kind of like messages with, with a good theme on it, uh, and I was thinking of like preaching a message called Good Defense this week, something happened. Something happened on Friday that uh, con- convicted me, and not only Friday, something happened Friday and something happened last night that really convicted me that this message wasn't just a good idea, it was a God idea. And this message was something that God wants us as a church to uh, have a good handle on. And so, before I even go on to today's message and elaborate a little bit more what good defense means, uh, allow me to pray. Amen. Father Lord, we thank you for your word. And in a while, we're going to dive into it. And we'll just ask God that your word would come alive. Lord, as we read it, as we listen to it, Lord, let it come alive and let it enter into our lives. Let it transform us from the inside out, Lord, so that we become more like you. God, again, we just commit the preaching of the word into your hands. God, hide me behind your cross, God. And let them hear your voice through my voice and feel your touch, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And the reason why I titled the message Good Defense is because I want us to be a church and a people of God that knows how to withstand and resist against temptation. And, and at first I was just thinking, oh, this is a good message. Every believer should know this. But then, like I said, something happened on Friday that made me realize, man, not only does every believer in our church need this message, they need it now. Because we're entering into a very exciting time. I'll tell you why, what happened on Friday. So on Friday, I was just minding my own business, uh, it w- and I suddenly had a call come in, and a text message actually uh, from our ex-Bristol coordinator, uh, Tiong. And it happened around four-ish. He texted me, and he said that, uh, Pastor, we just got hit with a last-minute cancellation for our venue." And so what happened was that on Thursday night, it was snowing. And apparently on Friday, there were quite a, quite a huge amount of snow accumulated in Bristol. And the venue that we usually met for church, it's in the school, Bristol Grammar School. Uh, the people that were managing the bookings just maybe last minute freaked out. And they were afraid to say that, no, oh no, what if it continues to snow on Saturday? And will our insurance cover any injuries that might happen? You know, these church folks are coming in, but what if in the middle of praise and worship it snows and then they're carrying the keyboard up and then they slip? So all these thoughts probably went through their head. And so they decided to cancel and say that, uh, I, I know it's last minute, I'm so sorry, but uh, we can't fulfill our booking to you because of snow. And, and they informed us so last minute and it was made worse because you know, our coordinator, Tiong, was actually in the meeting. So by the time he got the message, it was near 5 o'clock. And so we were on a desperate uh, search for an alternative venue. So we were calling people left, right and centre and I was this close, I guarantee you, this close because our church in Bristol, uh, they, they, they go to the same place 
uh, to have dinner because they have an evening service. So they go to the same place to have dinner every Saturday. Uh, in fact, you know, they go there so often that the uncle who runs the place, you know, uh, when they don't go, the uncle goes like, where did you go? You know, are you guys okay? Uh, and they, they do that not because, well, the, the food's not bad and they're not too picky about food because it's got a good space as well. Uh, but they, they're doing it also because they want to be a blessing to the owners there. And, and that's amazing, isn't it? A church, we can be a blessing, not just spiritually, but also socially and also economically uh, to the people around us. And so they, they do that. And so I was this close to going like, okay, if we don't have a venue, maybe we can call the owner of the noodle shop and say that, Uncle, sir, can we use your upstairs venue? You know, our church, I was, I was thinking, oh, maybe God, maybe this is why we've been going there. God, you've been, you've been preparing this. You know, it's such a blessing to Him. He will never turn us away. I was this close uh, to, to having church in a noodle shop. And, and wouldn't that be something? Uh, but of course, thank God, uh, we didn't have to go there. Um, last minute, a church nearby where we meet was kind enough to offer us uh, one of the extra halls. And, and allowed us to use their basement. And so you could, oh, you can do church here, no problem. Uh, and uh, you can use all of our facilities. You can use all our AV or sound system and all that. And it was very kind of them. So we really thank God for the last minute intervention. Uh, but it got me thinking. I was like, man, uh, it's like, wow, I, here I am preparing a message, trying to, you know, teach the church on how to withstand the enemy. Uh, because how do we know that temptation happens? And, and, and we are more attacked and more tempted than we realize. And I was just there thinking of, oh, maybe I should do a message, not realizing that, man, the enemy is on the move. Because I'll tell you why I, I really believe this enemy is on the move. Because on Saturday, it didn't snow. So, so we got last minute call, no, we, we come for this booking, so you're out. And then on Saturday, if it snow and like an avalanche, I'll be like, okay, it's just nature, totally understand, school's just being reasonable. But the sun was out. And all the snow was melted. And I was, and I was thinking like, man, it's not a coincidence. You know, we were this close to not having a place. We were this close to even, you know, if, and if the noodle you know, shop owner said no, I would have, I was also tempted to go like, maybe we'll just cancel service. But thank God that didn't happen. And they were still able to eat noodles after that. But, but the story is this. So I was like, oh, it's, it's not coincidence then. You know, because how many know that you know, the devil doesn't like uh, our, our church when it's doing well? And the problem with temptation is this. You know, like as I go into this message, I want us to both understand what we're up against, the temptations that we will face. But then we want to spend more time talking about how to uh, stand up to that temptation and how to overcome uh, the temptation and uh, the, 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 the lies of the enemy. And so one thing that we've got to understand about temptation is that it's, it's more common than we realize. You know, it happens to us. You know, not only does the devil tempt us, and when the devil can't tempt us, the devil will try to use things, external things. You know, the Bible says that a, a, a house divided itself cannot stand. And so, you know, internal unity is the most important and powerful and strongest component. But So if the devil can't attack you inside, he will try to attack you on the outside. And that's why even when Jesus had ministry, you know, the, the devil knew that he couldn't attack Jesus on the inside, so he sent storms. But praise God, you know, our Jesus can calm the storms. Amen? And so I, I knew that, oh wow, for the devil to need to resort to a snowstorm to disrupt church. And I can tell you, our church in Bristol, you know, it's, it's God's doing amazing things. You know, God's bringing revival to, to the guys there. You know, a lot of them before that were like, oh, pastor, no, I, I couldn't care less about this God thing. You know, a lot of people say that, hey, there are more... No women in, in, in church nowadays, you know, is it because women are more emotional and more susceptible to whatever, uh, and, and they, they, they seem to play that, you know, it's, it's wrong image. Uh, but the truth is, no, no, both men and women need God. And what's happening in our church in Bristol is there's, there's actually like more guys and then girls, more guys serving than girls. And so God's doing something powerful. And, and some of these guys, before this, they couldn't care about God, now they care about God. And now they want to live a life of, of righteousness. Now they are, they, are, they, are, they are making a decision to pray and to, 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 to quit, you know, the different addictions and things that are holding them back. You know, God's doing a powerful thing. And that's the other thing about temptation. We sometimes think that we are not big enough a target to be tempted. Can I let you know that the devil doesn't care? 
The devil doesn't care about the size of a church before he tempts us. You know, the devil sometimes can smell that there's, we're at a verge of spiritual breakthrough and so tries to use snow uh, to disrupt, but thank God snow couldn't disrupt. Try to use the spirit of fear to disrupt the people who handle our bookings. Because there was no snow on Saturday. But I don't know what happened, but the person doing the booking was probably so tempted by fear. Oh no, what if, what if, what if? And we know from the Bible that, that Jesus doesn't give us a spirit of fear. In fact, it gives us a spirit of courage. Amen? And so, you know, for the devil to come using storms and fear, I knew that God had something in store for our church. And that even this message was not just uh, uh, extra information, but it's information, much-needed strategy for our living right now. And not just that, you know, as I, I preached, I had a great time preaching in our church in Bristol yesterday, uh, but even last night, and as I'm saying this, I, I just want to kind of like be prophetic and also be encouraging. You know, I came back from Bristol last night really tired. And uh, how many of you have been there before? You're so tired, you fall asleep uh, forgetting to brush your teeth. Come on, come on, see some, see some honest hands, you know. So I know some hands are not lifted up because that's every day for you, right? So, so don't, don't, please, you'll regret it. And so, you know, I had that moment, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll brush my teeth. And then I fell asleep. And I woke up at 2 a.m., and I was like, oh, strange. Usually when I'm too tired, you know, to even, you know, brush teeth and fall asleep, I usually don't wake up until the next day. And I'm up, jolted up at 2 a.m. I'm thinking, why am I so alert? Maybe my brain is just telling me, you've got to brush your teeth. <laughs> and so I did. I went to brush my teeth. In fact, you know, I, I went to shower at 2 a.m. so that I could have a better sleep. And thinking that after having a warm shower and brushing my teeth, checking up all the lists, and lied on bed, and I couldn't sleep. And I literally couldn't sleep all the way from 2.30 a.m. until 4.30 a.m. And I don't know who was up during that time. I don't know what is going on in your life. And maybe, and after, as I was doing that, because I'm, you can ask my wife, you know, it's, it's rare that I have problems sleeping. <laughs> she will complain sometimes, like, you snore too much, you know? Uh, and, and yeah, it's true. And I, I snore sometimes. Uh, <laughs> of course, my wife is saying, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> and so I was there, jolted up and thinking, oh, what's, what's this? And it's happened to me before where I would suddenly wake up in the middle of the night, and it's usually because something is happening. Something is happening in the spiritual realm, someone is struggling with something some sort of temptation, some sort of struggle, some sort of decision. And I don't know. I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know if that's you. And last night, there was some struggle going on in your life from, from, from around 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. I want you to know that, that your, your pastor was up praying for you. And I, I, would re I really didn't know, but I just started praying, God, I feel like I need to pray for someone. I need to stand in the gap for someone. And I started praying, God, would you let your light shine into that situation right now? You know, whatever, if it's a crossroad, God, would you, would you just intervene? God, if they are right now in the midst of danger, would you grab them into safety? And after a while, I didn't know who to pray for and I felt the Holy Spirit just say, speak in tongues, speak in tongues. And because my wife was sleeping next to me, I didn't want to kind of like wake her up with tongues in the middle of the night. So I said, speak in tongues in my heart. But I just spoke and, and, and all the way, I just couldn't sleep. I just had to keep praying and praying and praying and praying. And, and this made me realize that, you know, you know God must be, you know, wanting your, your pastor to do this because, again, he is positioning our church for breakthrough. And every time our church is at the verge of breakthrough, the, the enemy can smell it because the, the devil is a spiritual being. And sometimes, you no, know, we, we, we can't smell the Spirit. And the more sensitive we are to the Holy Spirit, then we begin to be more sensitive to the things of the Spirit. But otherwise, we can be many, many times numb by our own flesh. Uh, but the devil can sometimes smell your breakthrough even before you realize and then what he does is he doesn't want you to break through. And so he, he is throwing temptation your way. And so I want us to understand two things about temptation. First of all, is that the devil tempts us. But secondly, our flesh also tempts us. And this might sound like we have a split personality, but there, there is a war of two minds going on. So for us who have been born again and you have invited Jesus into your life, you call yourself a Christian, you have your spirit that has been reborn. 
your spirit that has been set free, your spirit that will live forever and, and, and because of Jesus live forever in the presence of God. But then there is the other component called your flesh. And that flesh is the one that wants you to be the worst version of you that you can be. The, the flesh is the part of you that, that wants you to be selfish. The, 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 the flesh is the you that wants you to be lazy. And sometimes we, we, we talk about, oh man, that person, he's a bit funny. He's got mood swings. It's not mood swings. It's, it's, it's between flesh and spirit. Because the spirit wants to be revived, but then the flesh says, skip church. The, 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 the spirit wants to serve God, but the flesh says that you're not good enough. You know, and this is something that is in our nature because the Bible says we are all imperfect. We're all fallen. We have all been infected with sin. You know, some of you might know this and, and I've got a pup now. And uh, the, the, the puppy is, she's a clever dog, sometimes too clever. And what she's doing now is that we will lock her up. Sometimes she wants to come out. And so she would, she would you know, she would make noises that, that tug at our heartstrings and and, and, and make, us, make it sound like she's in pain. And so I just fed her and, and did all, 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 gave her all the toys and put her in the cage because I need to rest. And suddenly I'm walking out, she does something. And then sometimes we got other church members who visit and go like, oh, Pastor, is that okay? Is the dog okay? Like, should we let her? And I go like, no, no, she's faking it. <laughs> and as I said that, some of the church members go like, oh, you mean like babies? Isn't it true? Those of us who have a younger sibling, and you've seen your younger sibling sometimes fake. You know, or maybe you have older siblings who now are old enough to have children of their own. So you've got nephew, nieces, and they're at that baby stage. And sometimes they cry because they actually are in pain and they need comfort, they need milk. And other times they cry just because. They cry to get attention. And isn't it interesting, you know, whether pup or baby, that nobody had to teach the baby to be deceptive. Even before the baby could speak, the baby knows how to manipulate. Think about that for one moment and we think that, oh, humankind, we're all good. No. <laughs> nobody had to, you know, no, there was no evil spirit that came to the baby. Baby, let me teach you how to mess with your parents. Before you can even say, Daddy, Mommy, let me teach you this. When you cry, they will come. And so sometimes you can cry for genuine reasons and then you can cry for fake reasons. And the best time to cry is 3 a.m. in the morning <laughs> when Mommy needs her sleep. So cry, baby, cry. And then the baby goes like, <laughs> No! It's built in our sinful DNA. And so not only do we face external temptation, we face internal temptation, our flesh that, that, that loves comfort too much, our flesh that doesn't like to be challenged, our flesh that doesn't like to change. And another thing we've got to know about temptation is that it's not a dirty word. Sometimes, you know, Christians, we, we, we like to put labels. And we label temptation as a dirty thing. And if I were to ask you this, how many of you here face temptation? None of you would raise your hand because it feels like, oh no, to raise my hand, you know, I, it's implied that I'm a, I'm a sinful, lousy Christian. So no, 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 Pastor. I've never felt temptation, you know, ever since I accepted Jesus. You know, temptation is no longer an issue in my life. Liar. <laughs> right there, you were just tempted to lie. You know, and, and you know, sometimes, you know, we got to understand that temptation, for guys especially, temptation doesn't look like a sexy girl wearing lingerie standing at your bed side going like, Come on, baby, let's rock it. You know? And girls, temptation doesn't come in the form of a four-letter word called S-A-L-E. <laughs> it took you a while to get now. Just joking. Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> Yesterday when I used this joke in Bristol, they just the girls just went, boo. <laughs> I did it in London, just get angry stares back at me like. How dare you? <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. No, I'm just, it's just a joke. It's just a dad joke. And no, and, and the, no, temptation is not like just sexual or anything. Temptation, in fact, if you look at the Greek biblical definition of temptation, the, the Greek word for, for sin, actually, the Greek word for sin is hamartia. So our flesh tempts us to sin, the devil tempts us to sin, but what is sin? It, the Greek word hamartia comes from 
you know, the, 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 the same description when soldiers would take spears. And if you watch movies, you know how the Greek army loves their spears. You know, the, 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 no, the gladiators love their spear. The Spartans love their spear. And to sin, hamatia, means to throw a spear and to miss the mark. And so sin is not some dirty, deprived thing that we fall into. Sin is every time we miss the mark when it comes to God. When it comes to the, the, the best that God has in store for us. You know, the Hebrew word for, for sin is, is hata. Very easy to remember. Sounds like Bruce Lee's fighting sound effect. Hata! You know, so it's like sin. And to sin in Hebrew means to shoot an arrow and miss the goal. And very interestingly, you know, in the Israeli military ancient times, they were practicing how to shoot archery and how the archers can hit the bullseye. And because back then there was no binoculars. Today, if I bring it to a gun range, for example, you know, you could, you know, take a gun out and then aim. And whether you're watching it for an Olympic sport or even recreational, there are two things that will happen. There are either cameras positioned there that can give you real-time feedback whether you hit the mark or not, or there's this machine that you know, pulls the target back in. And we've seen that in, in all the action movies. You know, the guy who's out for revenge usually goes to the gun range. And then... And then the target comes and he managed to hit like a smiley face on the, on the head of the, the target and the people go like, wow, this, this guy means business. But back then, they didn't have machinery to pull the target back. They didn't have cameras. They didn't have binoculars. So what they did was they put a small gold coin in the target. And so every time the archer hit, means that you didn't hit bullseye. But when you it means you hit bullseye. And so, hata means that you miss the bullseye. You miss the goal. And, and this is a powerful revelation because God's not a troublemaker. And when He challenges us to live according to His ways, and when we fall short of that, you know, He's not there to make our life difficult. In fact, all His principles are like gold. They're the best in store for us, the best values, the best outcome. And if you hit gold, you hit gold. But, but when you miss it, that's sin. And because of that, it's also another realization that if, if that's God's standard for sin, we have all sinned. You don't need to murder someone to be a sinner. You don't need to steal something to be a sinner. You just got to miss God's mark. And so, in other words, coming back to the fact that we are tempted more than we realize, if all that is temptation to sin. If sin is missing a mark, that means that even in church, you were tempted. When you were giving to the offering, you could either hit the gold or you can lose the chance. Because I guarantee you, when you were giving to the offering, you were thinking, oh, should I give this amount? I feel the Spirit tell me that I should be generous, but my flesh is reminding me that I've got bills to pay. And right then, then we give According to spirit or flesh, it depends on that decision you make. But if you miss the mark, if you miss the goal, that, 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 that's sin right there. Some of us, you know, we, we could even be worshipping, you know, and, and, and you're worshipping and you're, you're thinking, oh man, it was so powerful. I really wanted to lift my hands. I wanted to just, you know, just... But then, something called self-consciousness came. And you go like, hey... Don't. What would your neighbor say? And right there and then, we're faced again with the temptation. Oh, even in church. Oh, even in worship. Oh, should I? I really want to. But then what will other people say? And so we're, we're tempted more than we realize. And so today, I want us to help to overcome and help us to be able to stand strong and help us to hit the goal every time. And so it's not just, you know, oh, I choose to go the easy way, but no, I, I pray that spiritually, if our spiritual ears could, could be open, that in church, it won't just be the guitar and the keyboard and the singing, but constantly, even during worship, you'll hear, ting, 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 ting. Not because we have an extra church member playing the cowbell, but because you're hitting the spiritual gold that God has in store for you in terms of worship and in terms of breakthrough. You know, because the other thing you got to know about temptation is there's always more at stake. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus explains the devil's motivation by saying this, the thief does not come except to steal, 
kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they have it more abundantly. Life and life to the full. And so the devil doesn't come to do anything except steal, kill, and destroy. And you may be thinking, hey, pastor, if you say the devil tempts, how come it doesn't say the devil comes to tempt, steal, kill, and destroy? It just says steal, kill, and destroy. Because in every temptation, hidden in every temptation is steal, kill, and destroy. Hidden in every temptation is theft, murder, and destruction. And we think that, oh no, it's just something small. No, there's something so much more. For example, let's, let's talk, talk about worship. And right there, you know, you're, you know, you feel the presence of God and you feel like, man, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I should just, you know, I, I, I'm always be self-conscious. I don't want to lift my hands to worship. But I just feel I need to be set free from this. And, and then right there and then a voice comes, yeah, but you know, your friends will look at you weird. You know, you invite a friend. What if a friend judges you and think that you're, you're funny? And if you had pushed forward, and obey God, not only will you hit ding, gold, but worship represents so much more than just music. You know, the, the walls of Jericho came crumbling down because the people of God marched around it and by faith made a victorious declaration. And that's why in worship, you know, we, we, we praise loud. In worship, we raise our hands because that's the worship that God desires. That's the praise that God's looking for. Not realizing that well, if only you can you push through and hit the spiritual goal? Ding! That there could be a breakthrough in your life that could happen right there and there. That there were certain walls called insecurity will start crumbling down in your life. Certain walls that you don't need in your life, you know, will start falling down to pieces because you hit it. Instead, we held back. And, and, and not realizing that the devil just stole your testimony. We think, oh, it's just worship. It's just me. No, there's breakthrough in your, in your worship. And when you're tempted not to worship God in the way the Spirit wants you to worship, not to give like how the Spirit wants you to give, not to reach out like how the Spirit wants you to reach out, or even not to come to church. Sometimes we, we allow our flesh to tell us, oh, thank God today is quite sunny. But if it was today it was snowing, oh, wow. It sometimes snow, snow. Oh, God, you know, maybe this is you telling me that I can lie in today. Not realizing that you skipping church, you, you just miss out on the message that could change your life. On the presence of God that could turn your life around. And, and, and just like that, the devil stole five more years because you could have had your breakthrough there. And the next window for your breakthrough could be in five years' time. And, and, and just because you succumb to the sin of missing your mark, you miss the window of breakthrough because behind every temptation. Sometimes we, we, we think, oh, no, you know, Certain things God has to say, certain things God doesn't have to say. As Christians, we love saying that. We like to draw a line and label certain things spiritual and certain things secular. Or the spiritual stuff, yes, God, you can have a say. And then all these things like my career, you don't need to have a say. All these things like who I date, you don't need to have a say. Not realizing that who we date, even God has a plan and purpose in it. You know, think about it. Biblically speaking, you know, God says, I am the, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, three names, intergenerational. It, it, God needed Abraham to create Isaac. And for Abraham to create Isaac, he couldn't have slept with any other person. And that's what Abraham tried to do. God promised him descendants. He goes, oh, me and my wife, it's not happening. So the wife goes like, why don't we just have a kid? I don't sleep with my maid. And then out came not Isaac, but Ishmael. But God intervened and go like, that's not my plan. Because you don't realize that, temp that temptation you think, you know, expedites your breakthrough. But no, that, that temptation is actually stealing. And, and God is saying that, no, I, I, have, I, you know, I want you to know, you know, the right match. Because your breakthrough sometimes, some, sometimes you're going to think bigger. If God is a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, could it be that the blessing and the breakthrough that He has for you is not just for you, but for your children? So you don't even think, you'll be like, children? But pastor, I'm single. Yeah, yeah. But when God looks at you, He doesn't look at single you. He looks at your entire lineage. That, that's how, how God works. No, read the book of Matthew. What does it trace Jesus all the way to King David? Lineage. God, when, he, when he, he blesses one generation to another. And so what you need to understand is this, that, that, that what if I told you that this thing, this addiction, you need to break through, not just for yourself, but for your children. So that they can also live a victorious life.
You know, and, and, and so that blessing, that breakthrough, that freedom can be passed on to the next generation. Do you know why sometimes in, in the world that we live in today, especially today, there's so much attack you know, at the church, but also so much attack at marriage and families? Because the devil knows that not only is family you know, an important unit for society, but, but families also procreate. So if he can disrupt the definition of family, families don't create the next generation. And then there won't be a next generation that would be a blessing. There won't be a next generation that would rise up to be a preacher. And so, you know, I was recently talking to, you know, a church member who, you know, he's, he's a great guy, but he was struggling with certain areas in life. And he said, I just want to give up. I said, brother, don't give up. Because for all you know, you know, your, your children need this breakthrough. Huh, children? Not even thinking of having children. Doesn't matter. But no, you got to learn to think bigger, think wider when it comes to God. Because hidden in every temptation is theft, destruction. Amen? And, 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 and death. And we got to go like, God, I, I, I don't want to fall prey. You know, it's, so, it's not just about, you no, know, you not waking up for church has bigger consequences than just church attendance. Your breakthroughs at stake, your testimonies at stake. You know, why, why does the devil throw sin in our face? So that, you know, can you imagine this? If, if your pastor falls in sin, he, he's not able to come on a Sunday and, and, and preach confidently. And because he will feel so ashamed by himself. Not really, and, and so that shame could lead to a lousy preach and that lousy preach could lead to a missed opportunity. And so every time I go like, God, I want to get it right with you so that I don't miss the mark, so I can be the full blessing to the people around you uh, that, that you have placed me in. Amen? And so that's what we need to know and, and, and about what we're up against. Amen? It's so important. And I, you know, some, I, it's so funny in church, we, 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 we love to just use you know, different labels and stuff like that. I still remember you know, there was one time someone came to me and said that, you know, Pastor, is, I want to worship. You know, but it's just that it's, it's too bright in church. You know, if you only dim the lights, I can worship, Pastor, I can worship. You know, because when I worship, you know, I just want to be able to have the freedom to cry. And when I cry, my, my makeup run. And, but, but, you know, with the lights dim, my makeup can run and, and nobody will notice. I still have time to touch up and nobody will notice. But when it's so bright, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And so, I just was very straightforward the person. I just said that, well... Do you know in heaven there's no there's no there's no darkness? <laughs> Do you know in heaven we don't worship with dim lights? It's not like, come on, let's worship Jesus, you know, now that we can see him face to face, let's worship him in darkness. No! You worship him face to face. And the good news is this, and so I'm saying that, sister, I'm preparing you for heavenly worship. In heaven, there's no dim lights. In heaven, there's, you know, don't have to worry about, you know, if, you know I, I, I joke, I say that in heaven, you know, everybody's makeup run. In fact, in heaven, nobody wears makeup. Oh. No, just every girl's eyes will be just naturally as smoky as you want it to be. All of your eyebrows will be on point. And all the girls say, Amen. No, there's no pimples in heaven. Hallelujah. Receive that. Receive that. Receive that. No dry skin. No need for conditioner. You know, in heaven, there is no need to go to gym. I mean, you can go to gym, but only if you want to, not because you have to. And all the gym people say, Amen. And so, you know, we gotta, you know, so we, we gotta understand, look, you know, a lot of stuff that we are worrying about, that we're tempted about, is so silly, it's so dumb. And not only is it silly and dumb, that there are bigger consequences, there are, there is the devil's lies hidden in it. And so we don't want to give in to it. Amen. Don't give in to fear but given to God. Amen? And so, I don't want to spend all the time talking about the devil. I want to talk about how to overcome. Amen? But I just need us to have a context to know what we're up against. So very quickly, I want to give you three points. Drawing from the life of Jesus that will help us to overcome. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11, you have this very famous scripture of how Jesus, not only did He go through temptation, but He overcame. And from this, we want to learn how to overcome as Jesus overcome. What was Jesus' strategy? And, and, and if we can apply it in our lives, we won't miss out on all that God has in store. You know, the devil wants to disrupt your faith so that your housemates don't have a good Christian role model to look at. 
Yeah, but God wants to change that. Amen? You know, recently someone shared, uh, one of the home leaders in, in church here shared that one of the testimonies being shared in homes was the uh, one church member go like, you know what, I realised that God, my worship to God is not just limited to music on a Sunday. No, my studies is worship to God. You know, my, my going to school on time, me not skipping lectures is worship unto God. And I want to I honour God in that. And I guarantee you, as that brother or sister begin to do that, you know, not only will he gain, but he will not only hit the gold, but other people around his life will also begin to hit the gold. Amen? And so, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Let's study from the life of Jesus. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written. Turn to your neighbor and says, It is written. Okay, this is an important point. We'll come back to it. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again. Turn to your neighbor and says, It is written again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Turn to your neighbor, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Three Keys, three strategies, three principles for a good defense. Principle number one, feed yourself with the word. Jesus didn't respond to the devil in any other way except to say, it is written, it is written, it is written. The devil didn't, didn't get into a logic debate with Jesus. Jesus didn't go like, well, you know, devil, technically, there's nothing wrong with bread. And if I wanted to turn this to bread, I could, you know, because bread's good for nourishment. He didn't go into all that. Instead, just, it is written. It is written. It is written. What we need to realize is that our temptation comes in spiritual form. And so, if we want to withstand against temptation, we've got to feed ourselves with the Word. You know, if you want to have a strong output, you've got to have a healthy input. Some of us here, we go to gym and you lift weights. And some of you here are too skinny to lift weights. So what do you do? You take a lot of protein shakes and go on a sumo diet and you go into, you know, just, just keto and whatnot so that you build this thing called gains, mass. And so whatever you put in will result in your output. If you put in junk food in your system, you're going to have an unhealthy output. You know, you're going to grow fat, not fit. And so if you want to grow strong spiritually, you've got to put in, you've got to feed yourself with the Word. And in other words, Jesus, even though He was physically starving, He was spiritually full. And that's how He overcame the devil. You see, sometimes in life, we could physically not be the best. Physically not have enough money. Physically, you know, uh, not be doing the best in our results. Physically not feeling well. But spiritually, come on, never let your spiritual guard down. You know, never, never outsource your spiritual feeding. And, and I, I, I love it that you guys come to church and I, 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 I get very encouraged when people come up to me and say, Pastor, thank you for your message. You know, oh, Pastor, you're, you're a good preacher. And, and I get, you know, comforted when people tell me things like, Oh, Pastor, when I can't sleep, I turn on the Spotify and your voice puts me to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like... Thank you, you know. Well, I guess our messages are able to be a blessing one way or the other. But messages, preaching, whether mine or other people, or books that you read, don't substitute your feeding. 
You know, nobody, nobody eats. How many here eat once a week? Come on, show of hands. Show of hands. Never. How many here eat once a year? Never. You eat every day. You eat more than once every day. Some of you eat three meals a day. Some of you eat five meals a day. Some of you, you just, it's just one meal, but you take three breaks a day. And, 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 and what we need to realize is this, no, we're going to feed ourselves. You know, what, what I'm trying to do here is, you know, it, it's a demonstration. Just like how you put on YouTube, a uh, Jamie Oliver cooking demo, and he shows you in 50 minutes how to cook a meal. And it shows you that it's possible to chop something this way. You know, to put in this and put in that, to come up with a pasta in 15 minutes. But it doesn't work until you take that recipe, go home, and apply it for yourself. You can watch all the Jamie Oliver videos and it will only make you hungrier and weaker. But unless you take that demonstration and model your life after that demonstration and apply it in your own kitchen, then you will be blessed. And then you'll be fed. Do the same for your spiritual walk with God. Feed yourself. Never neglect. Amen? You know, if we, some of us here, we're so particular about what we eat that we used to be a church member that only eats organic stuff. Wow. But what about spiritual food? Will we only say, I only eat organic stuff? You know, do you know all of this response, Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Do you know where all three come from? Homework. Go back, research for yourself, but I can give you a clue. All from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy! Right top three, the most boring books in the Bible to read. Let's be honest. You know, I thought top two, until my wife reminded me, that's Leviticus. I'll be like, oh yeah, wow, that's a... You know, we say that no, most boring book, number one, Numbers. <laughs> most boring book, number two, Leviticus. And then Deuteronomy, probably number, number three. But Jesus was into Deuteronomy. Jesus didn't go like, let me pick and choose. Jesus just consumed. Whether Deuteronomy, whether Leviticus, there is gold there to be mined. There is something there that can help me. You see, you see the breakthrough didn't come. From, 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 you know, we all want to chase after people. You know, I, I hate it when Christians say that, Pastor, read the Bible. And okay, where, you no, know, wh- where, where are you? Oh, so I, I, I thought I'll read the Bible by going to the first book. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the first book I read in the Bible is also the last book called Revelations. Because the most interesting, right? No, that's the one that will mess you up the most. No, start with the Gospels, you know? And, 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 and a lot of us, we, we pick and choose thinking that, wow, Revelation will have deeper Revelation. But, but, but Jesus was able to find revelation. Jesus was able to find, you know, strength and gold, whether it's in numbers or revelation, but in Deuteronomy, he's able to withstand and fight the enemy. What are you feeding yourself, friends? Are, are, you, are you having a consistent walk? No, don't, don't, don't fall. Again, this is an issue of temptation. What stops us from having a sustainable walk with God? The temptation that you don't have time. But come on, don't fall into that because hidden behind that temptation, you don't have time, is theft, murder, and destruction. The devil wants to steal your spiritual walk. Come on, don't fall into that trap. Be like Jesus. You can be starving, but be spiritual full. Point number two. Jesus raised the standard. When he was given a comeback by the devil, the other powerful thing about feeding yourself with the word is that even when people try to trick you with scripture, you can never be tricked. And so the devil tried to use scripture to out of context to trick, try to use Psalms out of context to trick Jesus. But because Jesus knew the word, he was not able to be tricked. But not only that, Jesus also didn't enter into a theological debate with the devil. It wasn't a logic debate. It wasn't a theological debate. Let's go back, uh, Toby. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. Then Jesus said, away with him, for it is written, oh, sorry, not this, uh, the previous page. Second temptation. It says here, Jesus said to him in verse 7, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus didn't even go into like, oh, actually, devil, you're not interpreting the scripture the right way. Actually, the context is this, this, this. He just went like, look, God is so good that you're not, you don't even double-guess God. You don't even tempt God. Some translations say, do not test the Lord your God. And sometimes we test the Lord. We go like, God, is your word really valid? Is your word still good today? And God said, no, no, I am good today. And, and, and Jesus saying that, look, don't even go there. 
Don't even allow your mind to wander and to think whether, you know, you know God is good enough for His Word. He is good. Don't even tempt, don't even enter into a debate. Have a higher standard. Jesus didn't go to the devil's level to have a theological argument. He went higher up and go like, don't you even question the Word of God. Don't you even cast suspicion to the Word of God. And that's what we need to do. Have a higher standard. And, and, and nobody ever died from having a high standard. And the thing is this, you know, the Bible also says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, when it talks about temptation, it says, abstain from every form of evil. My translation says, abstain from all appearances of evil. So sometimes when it comes to temptation and putting ourselves, it's not even about like, you know, pastor, because I get asked this a lot, you know, pastor, I really like my girlfriend, and, and so can you tell me, pastor, how far is too far? What is the line that we cannot cross? And I don't want to draw the line because if I draw the line, you will be tempted to cross the line. So if I were to draw a line, I will draw a very big line. I'll be like, always make sure that there's space for the Holy Spirit between you. How big is the Holy Spirit? Bigger than the planet. So just, just stay, okay? Just stay away. Western Hemisphere, Eastern Hemisphere. Just, just, oh, but actually, just, just come on. Just, just honor the Holy Spirit. I think before you reach over to do anything, remember, you're reaching through the Holy Spirit. So be mindful where you touch or where you don't touch. Let me put this in an easier to explain way. We, a lot of us here are students or were at one time students. What's the passing rate for undergraduate nowadays? Is it, what, 40? 60? Is it 40? 40? I guarantee you, if you aim, if your highest aim is to hit 40, you have a high chance to fail. Common sense. If your highest aim is to go 40, I only want to do enough preparation to hit 40. If I hit 40, I will stand in church and give a testimony. If you're illiterate, by all means. If you're not, don't. So if you, hit, if you aim to hit just the passing mark, the bare minimum, there's a high percentage you will fail. But if you choose to hit higher, and that's why in church I meet people who go like, oh, how do you do? Not so good. Oh, why? What do you get for your last semester if you don't mind me asking? I only got 70s. Oh, only 70s? Yeah. I was aiming for 80s and I didn't get it. So I just got 70s. That's called aiming high. So when you aim high, your low is still a 70. And that's eons ahead of a 40. You know, we apply this for, for every day as well. One time I was at airport security and saw them pat down an old man in his 80s. He's there going through the machine. Beep. No, so you're going to get out. Take off your shoes. Oh, okay. You know, goes there. He had, he had a walking stick, but he had to take away his walking stick because he can't bring a walking stick into the scanner. Go in there. Beep. No, get out only to realize that this old man had accidentally put a nail clipper in his pocket. And then they go like, get into the back of the line. That's high standards. And that's why nothing bad happens in the end nowadays because the high standard is so high that if you're 80 year old and can't walk without the help of a walking stick and have a nail clipper, you're a dangerous suspect number one. <laughs> you know, in, in, in real life, there's this rock band too old for your age, called Van Halen. And they were infamous for having this. They have a, every band, every rock band has a writer's list. A writer's list is their list of saying that, all right, uh, you want me to play at this event? I want this, 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 this. I want this style of food. I want this, no hot towels. I want this. And they were infamous for being the band that would request, and maybe you heard this statement before. They want a bowl of M&M's on the dressing table, but with all brown M&Ms removed. It's there, listed in bold, M&Ms, but no brown M&Ms. And for the longest while, people thought these rock star bands are just trying to be rock star for the sake of rock star. They're just trying to be divas because they can get away with it. Because we also heard things like Mariah Carey. Do you know Mariah Carey doesn't go to every place that she does? She, every time she opens the dressing room, there must be two big vases of white roses. You know, and some, some bands will go like, oh, we, we want a gourmet chef to cook all, all our meals. But this band that was the first to do something outrageous, later on they, they interviewed them and go like, actually, why do you do this? They go like, actually, 
We don't even touch the M&M. And they thought, oh man, these people are being so diva. No, no, no. The M&Ms are there as a standard test. Because when we do our events and when we were a rock band in the 70s, we were the, the biggest one out there, we were the first to use huge lights, we were the first to have, you know, wires that would, you know, pull our guitarist up as he does his solo. And it's all in the rider's list. And so to test whether the organizer read through the entire list, we intentionally put in that ridiculous demand. So the moment we walk into the room, if we see a brown M&M on the counter, we know it's dangerous and we might not perform because our lives could be at risk. And in the contract, it says that if we find a brown M&M, we have the right to forfeit the entire concert and not refund you. But they did it as a standard test, as a high standard test. So, and they, they go like, if we find a brown M&M, it means that the, the, the lightings are not up to our standard. It means that the wires might not be the safest because if you read through the list and you do all the details and you get even the M&Ms right, you're going to get the lights right, you're going to get the stage right, you're going to get the sound right. You see, sometimes we think that God is just being difficult. Why are you putting such, you know, God, why can't I do this? Why can't, or the pastors always get the blame of being difficult. And we, we tell you, no, come on. You know, if you're dating, come on, purity is so important. And we tell couples, even don't go on a holiday together. But, 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 you know, we just want to travel. We want to see Ibiza. Yeah, but, but, come on, there's time to do that. Because, you know, nobody plans to sin. Nobody plans to be tempted. But if just two of you in a hotel room rolling on the bed, something will happen. So have a higher standard. Don't even allow yourself to be anywhere near the bed together alone rolling around. Have a higher standard because nobody ever died from a high standard. Now the world today, you know, we've, we've lost a great man of God called Billy Graham. And Billy Graham wasn't just a very accomplished evangelist, but he was also a very integrous man of God. And so today in America, we're having a lot of problems, Me Too movement, you know, men are touching women and whatever. And back then when Billy Graham used to do this, they would laugh at him. Now, I respect Billy Graham for a lot of things. He's an incredible preacher, anointed man of God. He was one of the first preachers to, to remove segregation, racial segregation. Uh, in his preaching tents. Back then, before him, they would have a white preaching tent and they would have a black preaching tent. You know, so when the, the preacher preaches, you know, they would be facing the white congregation and then the black folks would be, be behind a curtain. When I used to read about the messed up stuff that happened during the segregation era in America, one question always comes up. What about the Chinese tent? Like, where do they, you know, we're not black, we're not white, so where do all the other brown mocha colored, you know, like, we, we, the rest of us kind of like, we share the same shade. Whether Mexican or, or, or Chinese or Eskimo, we all kind of look, 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 look the same a little bit. Filipino, look the same a little bit. Where do we? So do you see sometimes when even the church falls to the center of the world and is tempted to be like the world and segregate, they not only miss the gold standard, but they miss out on souls. And many times I go like, maybe that's why a lot, there are probably a lot of Chinese people that didn't get saved in America in the 50s and 60s. But, but Billy Graham was the first to go like, no, if you want me to preach, I want all the congregation to be mixed. But that's not the reason why I admire him. him is because he has such a high standard that today in ministry is called the Billy Graham principle. He will never, ever be in the same room with another woman if it's just two of them, and especially if the other woman is not his wife. That means he will never, it doesn't matter his secretary, he will never. He will, he will demand that his wife is there, he will demand that another man is there, or, or other people are there, but he will never ever be caught in the same room as just one other person of the opposite gender. And when he used to do ministry, he would actually have bodyguards. And you know what the bodyguards would do? When they got out of the lift, they would walk the corridor and check the room just to make sure that nobody was trying to entrap him. And maybe, you know, suddenly in a hotel, you know, people know Blue Grand is coming, suddenly some, some, you know, girl runs out half naked, grabs him, takes a picture, and then his ministry is ruined. And so he will have bodyguards, not for any other reason, not to keep people away, but to keep temptation away. And people used to laugh at him and go like, man, this is so stupid. And yet today, you see where America is, and you go like, wow, if only more people applied that principle. So higher standard, friends. Jesus reached for a higher standard. Didn't drop down, go into theological, and say that, no, God's word is not even up to be debated. It's just for us to obey and trust. Not to be tested or tempted. Amen? So have a higher standard. Point number three, my last point. Those of you who play sports, basketball, 
especially you know that a good, what's the best defense? Attack or offense. So point number three, go on the offensive. To, to rise up against the devil, it's not just about, oh, I'll just withstand, I'll withstand. You know, we've got to start taking the offensive. And in James chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible gives us a scripture. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Many times we focus on the last part, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Missing the very important first part, which is to submit to God. When you submit to God, you're not just, oh God, I worship you. You're submitting, God, I want to do things your way, and I want to do your things. That's what submission is. It's not just about membership. It's about doing things your way and doing your things. A lot of times you will come up to me and go like, no, my Christianity is so restrictive. There's so many things you can't do, can't do, can't do. I say, if you actually read the Bible, there's only 10 things you can't do. Everything else, do. Everything else, go. In fact, the word God is spelled with G-O and then D. Go. And so God is saying that, come on. If you really love me, you will go and, and heal the sick. If you really love me, you will go and evangelize. If you really love me, you will go and feed the poor. If you really love me, you will open up your house and welcome your neighbors in. If you really love me, you will go and forgive other people. If you really love me, you will go and reach out to those that society has forgotten. If you really love me and want to be my follower, you will do, 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 and do. And there's so many things to do. Miracles to perform, schools to build, orphanages, hospitals, cities to be rebuilt and, and, and repurposed for the glory of God. Christianity is not just spiritual. Christianity is social transforming as well. And, but but the, the, the church many times is only stuck in the spiritual sphere. So how do you stand up against them? I mean, how do you put up a good defense? You go on offensive. And how did Jesus do it? Now let's go to, to Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. This time. Jesus said, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only you shall serve. What is Jesus about? Serving God. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, we've got to serve God. And sometimes we've got to, you know, reread the scriptures with a little bit of emotion. Just because it says it is written, it is written, you're not talking about meek and mild, nerdy Jesus here. And sometimes you read like that, you know, Jesus there in the wilderness, hungry, and the devil's like, if you will bow down and worship me. And then we think Jesus says, eh, it is written. Right? We, we, we have this weak, sissified Jesus. Uh, uh, well, uh, devil, uh, actually, uh, in Psalms, uh, it's not supposed to be like that. Uh, 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 well, it is written that, you know, oh, we got it. No. Jesus is saying that, how dare you? You disgust. You, and, and, and this statement, away with you. It's just a polite way of saying, F off, devil. And so Jesus is like, get out of my face. It is written, you shall worship the Lord and only Him shall you serve. You think the world, you think the world can buy me out from my, my God? You think your checkbook has enough space to write zeros? To buy me? The creator of the world? You? I'm not here to play church. I'm not here to own the world. I'm here for so much more. I'm here to serve the Lord. And, and so I'm not falling for your trick. And, and that's what we need to do. You know, why, why do you think when I was praying and I said that, God, I want to raise up strong men in church. And God didn't give me a strategy to say, gather the men and do a Bible study. Gather the men and have an accountability group and every week they share their sin with each other and they, they call themselves promise keeper. Keep each other, brother's keeper, promise keeper. No, God said, no, take the men. Teach them how to cook. Teach them how to clean force them to get out of their comfort zone and walk the streets and look out for the poor and downtrodden and feed them, clothe them, talk to them. Because when the men are doing that, they got no time to think about sinning. Because they go like, oh man, I am so blessed. Right? I want to ask men. That's the first thing that hits you. I am blessed. You don't even have time to be tempted to gripe and to argue about how small your student accommodation is. You don't even have time to argue about how your housemate steals your ham. 
or your rice or your eggs. Instead, you'll be like, wow, I'm so blessed to even have a housemate that steals my eggs. Because <laughs> this guy doesn't even have a housemate. doesn't even have a house. I'm there. I'm doing, I'm, I'm cooking. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm serving. Wow. I'm so blessed. Yeah, my jacket's not new. I, don't, I won't fall into the temptation of complaining and of envy and stuff like that. I've got nothing. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. And when the men begin to realize that, wow, I got so much and there's so many people to impact, they got no time to think of the things they shouldn't do. When you, when you do the things of God, maybe it's for some of you, if you're, if you're being falling into temptation too long, you need to step up and serve. Because when you have too much free time, you just got too much free time for temptation. And you're going to step up and serve and go like maybe, and maybe if it's not serving in church, just serve God. You know, instead of spending another five hours browsing the internet and going to places you're not supposed to do, take out a pen, take out a paper, write a note of encouragement for your brother, for your sister. Pray for someone. When you begin to go on offensive, the devil has no time to tempt you. And not only is this just your pastor trying to, you know, force you, but this is the Word of God in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And this will be the last verse for today. Jesus defines this as the church that he wants to build. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. We again, we, we get focused on the wrong thing. We think, oh, what's this about Peter? Does he have more authority? No, the, the important thing is the last part. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How, how, how do you build a church where the gates of hell cannot prevail? It means that this church is on the move. It means that this church is taking ground. It means that this church is not playing the defensive game. This church is playing the offense game, offensive against the kingdom of hell. And when you begin to feel, do you know that when you begin to feed yourself with the word of God, you become offensive to the enemy. When you begin to have a high standard, you become offensive to the enemy because he can't. I shared this before, you know, me and Pastor Cat. When we were dating, we never go on any holidays because, you know, I was serving in youth ministry and, and she was just serving in church. But it doesn't matter about our status. You know, she wasn't even a pastor yet. But we just know that, no, me going away, just two of us, yes, a lot of our friends are doing it. But if we do it, 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 it will open to temptation. I know how weak I am. I've got a very beautiful girlfriend and still do a beautiful wife now. And so, I, I, no, so no, no, no. That's why when we finally went on our holiday, it was our honeymoon. And we didn't even have to go far away. We just went to Malaysia. Almost got lost getting to our honeymoon destination. Almost had to spend the first night of our honeymoon impromptu in this place called Stiawan, Perak, Malaysia. Some of you don't even know where Stiawan is. Some of you don't even know what is Perak. Some of you don't even know where Malaysia is. <laughs> but it didn't matter. Some friends get married and they go like, oh, I'm waiting for my honeymoon and my honeymoon will be in Tokyo. Some people tell me, oh, when I well, propose to my girlfriend, I'll propose in Melbourne. I just sit down with the guy, if you propose in Melbourne, where are you going to have your honeymoon? Oh, I'll have it in America. Okay, then where are you going to celebrate your first anniversary? The moon? <laughs> oh. Or worse, we have friends who travel so much and, and then when they do get married, they go like, oh, we're going to save up for our honeymoon. One year later, the sad thing is this, before the honeymoon could even happen, they got divorced. See, high standard. We begin to say, no, in, in my purity, I want to have a high standard. You know, in, in, in my serving, I want to have a high standard. And in, in my worship of God, I want to have a high standard. That's why I lift my hands high. I want to give my best to God because He deserves the best. And when you do that, you become offensive because the devil goes like, man, I can't tempt this person to go low because his low is too high for me. Can you imagine that? You know, like, like, like some of you, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at Gareth and he's not serving today and he's in his full suit. What do you think made him do that? He just wants to give God his best. And so even in his low, he'll still be like, you know, people walk into church and be like, is, is that the pastor? <laughs> you see, when you aim high, God can use you more. And you hit the goal. And even if you do get tempted to go low, your low is still high, still too high for the devil. Let's pray. Father Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, I really believe, God, that 
There are brothers and sisters here that need this. And God, I just want to pray right now in the name of Jesus that you help us to be able to put up a good defense. Not a good excuse, but a good defense. Help us, Lord, to feed ourselves with the word because, Lord, that is the strategy that you use against the enemy. God, help us to aim high because that's the strategy you use against the enemy. And God, help us to go on the offensive and to serve you. And Lord, when we focus on serving you, we don't even have the time and energy to serve our self-interest. But God, you who are so good, also says this, that if we will serve you, seek you, honour you first, all these other things that we need, you don't have to worry about missing out. They shall be added onto you, stress-free. God, you're so good. Help us live a good life that glorifies you. Help us to live a good life that makes your name and your love famous. Help us, God, to be the church that's on the move, that will push back the darkness in our families, in our households, in our city, in our life. God, make us your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.